Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of JHR Backstage. Hello. Uh, today's topic, we will be starting with the release of the new Angels and Airways album, Life Forms, which I, I figure, Varys, you haven't listened to. No. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I have been listening to nothing but it for the most part, um, just because it actually is really good. Mm-hmm. which is a good start. Um, the <laughs> biggest thing I could say, and I'm gonna, this is going to be a pr- kind of a one-sided conversation, but jump in if you have anything to contribute. Sure. Um, the better name for this album would be Neighborhoods Part 2, which, like, as in, it's a follow-up to Neighborhoods, the Mukon 82 album. Because this isn't really Angels and Airwaves. It's more of a Blink-182 album in disguise. I, I have a feeling Tom misses Blink. <laughs> well, because, like, well, no, all the other it's... Angels and Airwaves album. Uh-huh. Yeah, all the other Angels and Airwaves albums are, like, these big, sweeping, cinematic space rock albums. Like, Right. And, like, this one is a very, like, down-to-earth rock, just straight rock album that sounds like it's straight out of that era of Blink-182, like the n- Neighborhoods and Dogs Eating Dogs, which was the two releases they had after their hiatus where Tom tried to put pretty much put elements of angels and airwaves into blink 182. Interesting. Okay. There's even like parts within the songs that call would call for two singers, almost like he wrote it for him and Mark, but he ends up singing both because he's the only singer in the band. Right. So I have a feeling someone misses his, his past band because this is kind of weird for Angels and Airwaves. It sounds nothing like their entire other catalog, which, like, fair, bands can change. But at the same point, like, that that's, it's like I said, it's almost exactly the same sound that Blink-182 had when they came back in 2010 with Neighborhoods. Yeah, that seem that would seem too uh too convenient for mm. uh it just to like for your band that was supposed to be separate from your other band to sound like your other band. Yeah. If that's Well, I mean, he's sense. no longer a part of the band obviously. He's no longer part of Blink. Right. He hasn't been now for 8 years, which sounds weird to say. Oh wait, no, no. It's been um, it's only been six years because he he got kicked out in 2015. He made the mistake of talking about his ex and his current relationship, and then this is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. See, I the re the are you familiar at all? Have I talked your ear off with why he's out of Blink in, to begin with? Um. Didn't like. Him and um, Mark have, like, a fight over creative stuff? So that was when they broke up in 2005. Uh, I'm talking about when he got kicked out of the band in 2015. Then I... Uh, You probably have, but I don't remember. Refresh. So, um, in 2013, a brand new Blink album was announced. And then Mm -hmm. a couple years went by, and we didn't hear anything until all of a sudden a random news like random news article started popping up that said Tom DeLonge has exited Blink-182 
And so, like, Mark and Travis confirmed it. And then Tom took, like, a, a really, like, weird side to it in that he was like, wait, I am? Oh. So, um, apparently, according to him, which, honestly, this sounds believable, so I am inclined to believe Tom's side of the story here. Mm-hmm. Apparently, what happened was the record label got really fed up with Blink dragging their feet waiting for Tom to make a new album because they wanted them to make the new album, obviously. Right. And so they sent Tom a contract that said, hey, you can't release anything for the next six months or until the Blink-182 album is done, whichever one comes first. Now, Tom didn't like that because he had already had outstanding contracts for, like, books he was going to be publishing and, like, a movie he was starting to film as well as, like, new albums that were about to release. Right. So he sent it back to his manager and said, I want to renegotiate those terms. And apparently there was some form of miscommunication in that his agent or his manager, whoever it was, took that as he was out of the contract as if he was out of the band kind of thing. Oh, okay. And so word got back to Mark and Travis that Tom was out of the contract. And so they took that as an opportunity to to move on (laughs) like without him. Uh, Oh, and Tom was like, Oh wait, what? (laughs) What happened? Like, uh, he's like, all I wanted to do was renegotiate. Now I'm out of the band. <laughs> Jesus. And I, I have to, I have to believe that like this was planned for a while to get rid of him because like literally the next day, and I'm not even exaggerating the next day, Mark announced that Matt Skiba would be taking Tom's role in Blink-182. Oh, like the actual next day. <laughs> Jesus. So I I really have a feeling this was planned <laughs> or like all a stunt by Mark or his manager or whatever because they didn't want him to come back or something. Who knows? It is super funny to me, though, because like imagine being like, yeah, you know what? I actually do want to release other stuff in the next six months. Let's talk about that. And then all of a sudden you just. Oh, and. It's uh, worth noting that no one told him, so his first knowledge of him stepping out of the band was seeing the articles the next morning. Oh my god, that's so shitty. Yeah, so he went on a huge defensive for a couple of months and then just gave up and went on and did his own thing, which wow. he's, been, he's been doing for the last... Well, he's had to the stars for, for the last like decade, but... Um, like, yeah, he just gave up and he went on and did whatever else. I'm assuming there's a huge, like, I'd assume that kind of stuff doesn't, uh, doesn't leave your mind. No. Uh, I mean, at least it seems like him and Mark are on good terms. And I definitely know him and Travis are on good terms because, like, him and Travis were posting pictures together, like, constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then him and Mark apparently did not talk for about two years um and uh now tom posted a couple of pictures 
of their text conversations because um, Mark Hoppus has cancer. And oh my God! Tom what did that Mark happen? Joking around with each other about it, and it was kind of nice to see them back on you know relatively good ter- terms, at least for the camera. When 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 did what? Uh, he has had cancer. Well, he announced he had cancer about maybe a month ago, and he's at the end of his chemo treatments. They think he's cancer free, but they need to do more tests. Right. But he's bald now, and it looks really funny considering he's had his signature like shark fin hair almost for the last like 30 years yeah wow but yeah no he should be okay um but yeah he is he's known for a while but he only publicly announced it about a month ago huh but apparently just just like travis's plane crash brought blink 182 together the last time in 2010 looks like this finally got tom and mark talking to get talking again so i guess tragedy breeds friendship you know it really does to be honest with you it when tragedy strikes it can bring out the 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 sympathy in people and the empathy um there's no better motivator than death which is fun yeah it's true excuse my language yeah it's all right i'll i'll have to censor this anyway i had to censor the last episode <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it is, it is funny, but yeah, he should be fine. Um, he'll have news for us soon. It was his last post. That's good. Uh, but on a much lighter note, um, the other thing coming out of Tom DeLonge in the last few months was the first couple of images of his first film, his first feature film, I should say, uh, the monsters of California, which the images look cool. Uh, it just there's nothing big right now. It's just a bunch of stills from like what would I, I would assume is like the opening scene or whatever. But mm-hmm. it is done filming. They're just doing post production stuff. Hmm. The one thing I hope is that this doesn't completely disappear like the live action poet Anderson movie did. Because so, Tom announced that they were doing like a short film uh, that was live action version of the poet Anderson stories from his books and comic books. Mm-hmm. And they casted Tyler Posey as the poet, which I don't know if you know him by name, but you'd probably have seen him in a couple of different things. He, he was all over the place for a while. Um, his biggest role right now. And for the last couple of years, is he Superman in the Arrowverse? I haven't watched Green Arrow, or actually, yeah, I've never seen Green Arrow. In <laughs> Crisis on, yeah, he he premiered in in Supergirl initially, and then Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then now he has his own show in the Arrowverse. Huh. Um. But uh, anyway, so Tyler Posey gets cast as the poet, and then like Tom posts a bunch of pictures of them shooting it, like actually filming it. And then that was the last thing we heard, and that was maybe three years ago. And here he is filming another movie. Interesting. So I want to know what happened, because I was really looking forward to that. Because if, if the Wolfpack music video was any indication, a, a live-action Poet Anderson film would have been awesome. Um, but no, we get no news on it. Hopefully we get maybe more news on it when the third book comes out. 
because there is supposed to be a uh, it's supposed to be a trilogy. So there's there's one more book, inevitably coming out. Well, then we, we also have hope the Strange hope Times TV show. Ah, I see. I've seen that book on your shelf for the past like year now. Yeah, uh, Ghost and the Girl. Is that what it, I just says Strange Times on it? <laughs> yeah, that it's um. Its official title is Strange Times, The Ghost and the Girl. Oh, okay. Um, and then there, that was the full novel to the children's picture book. Not, well, picture book, I should say. It was very much adult. But it was a follow-up to the picture book. Um, Strange Times, Curse of Mystery Mountain, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. It's essentially just a group of degenerates from California that like solve mysteries and do paranormal stuff i think a show would be like like literally the perfect fit for it you're just gonna out scooby-doo like that (laughs) (laughs) i mean yes yes (laughs) it appears i am i'm now gonna call this episode the life and times of tom delon because that seems to be where this conversation is just gonna (laughs) stick around for now Seems like it. Congratulations, well, you got your own episode man. there, Tom. Hmm? I said, congratulations, Tom, you got your own episode. Uh, this is technically, if you want to include this, the things that he's been a part of, this is technically the third episode talking about Tom DeLonge in full. Uh, this is just on a much more casual um, way of talking about things, and like it's obviously updated, because the last time I spoke about him and his side projects was when to the stars like had like just formed probably back in 2015 mm-hmm. um because i did an episode it was the first episode of season two was um all of blink 182 side projects so like i did a, a history of all of the blink 182 side projects and i talked very much so in depth about boxcar racer and angels and airwaves and i think demos odds and end had been out at that point but i don't really remember i'd have to watch the episode again tom delange did a solo album called demos odds and ends oh okay where it was a bunch of leftover demos that he had lying around on his hard drives for both angels and airwaves and um blink 182 and then just a couple of random ones and then one brand new recorded song just for the album called um new world huh what's really funny is is that song was written in like obviously the uh no you know what i do know that the album was probably either out or almost out by the time i did that episode because the song new world rather unsettling actually is about his departure from Blink-182, so it would have had to have been post-2015 20, or 2016. Uh, because, like, the, the literal lyric is, I've found a new world, I'm lost deep inside of it, and then the music video is literally him smashing a bass and a set of drums. You know, the two other instruments present in Blink-182. Damn. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, subtle references there, Tom. Yeah. I like that album. It's very, very short. Um, There's a couple of really funny songs. Neither one of their titles I can say here without having to censor it. 
Um, but yeah, no, he's a, he's certainly an interesting person. I mean, his biggest es- escapade as of late is um, have you seen all of those um, like UFO videos going around the internet that like the the Pentagon just officially released? Uh, that happened a, like a year ago, didn't it? Yeah, it was about a year ago now. But yeah, remember I remember it? those. I think so. Yeah, I he's the I think reason you those videos were released. What? What? He played a song Pop- to Area 51 and convinced them, hey, you know what? Maybe we should release this footage. That so, guitar riff? Mm, something else. So, essentially, he's got a wing of To The Stars Media called To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. Which, one of their goals, one of their many goals, was mm-hmm. to prove that humans have already had contact with aliens and that the government is hiding it from us. So he spent many years meeting with government officials from like the, uh, the Department of Defense and the FBI and the CIA and like the Pentagon and stuff um, to help get some of those videos and files declassified to show the public. And that video that went around the internet really big last year was because of him. Hmm. In fact, uh, some news articles that like showed the video even included the, like the original video that was released included the logo or the watermark for, to the stars Academy of arts and sciences in the corner. It's kind of odd that out of all people, that could have man done that it. sang about throughout the entire nineties is responsible for the for the video of extraterrestrial life that was released by the Pentagon in twenty twenty. Right. That's I don't so know if bizarre. I'm gonna have to censor that word or not, but I'm gonna probably do it for the safe side. At least for the B Cat airing. I don't censor anything on the Spotify release. Out of anyone though, I'm kinda glad it was him. Yeah? Why? Well ma- mainly just because when you have somebody who is serious about this kind of stuff, but also has a sense of humor, you know they're the right guy for the job. Yeah. Because it's not That's like fair. they're going to... Yeah, because it's not like they're going to be like conspiracy, conspiracy theorist about it, and they're going to be like, oh, and this and this and this. is like, nope, here's <laughs> the footage. Do with it what you will. Well, so he's got... um. Well, now it's two books, but as far as I'm aware, the second book is a little bit uh, um, less so. But the first book, at least, uh, of his Secret Machines franchise, Chasing Mm -hmm. Shadows, all of those stories within that book are um, actual, real stories that he, like, either got access to or was told during his time, like, interviewing all these government officials that he just changed to be more fictitious because he had to for legal reasons. That's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah, like, just because, like, I don't know. I, like, I don't want to be, you know, that person who is like, oh, you know, this like it can't be real because this but like wouldn't it be hilarious if the people 
who like told him the stories were just like messing with him. It is wholly possible. And like when that book first came out, I was super skeptical about it too. Right. But then when he actually managed to get that UFO video to be released from the Pentagon, that like validated everything he said. Honestly. It's like just... that that was the first instance of wow, you might not actually be crazy. Yeah. Well it's just interesting to me because Area fifty one or or whatever like, people who worked at Area 51 are like, yeah, there is an alien shit there. It's just, you know, we literally just test funny-looking uh, aircrafts, well, so and that's people like think it's UFOs. One of, one of his stories in Secret Machines is about a military captain who was stationed at Area 51 and got to, like, test out, um, like, new flight tech. He wasn't claiming that, like, Area 51 was climb- climbing with aliens. That was right. actually in his book, was that all that was there was just a flight training facility about new flight technologies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then one of the um, other ones, which, honestly, this was just obvious, if you think about it even for a second. Uh, this book, if it's to be believed that these are all fictitious, like molded versions of real stories mm-hmm. we did find an alien ship in Rosenberg, New Mexico or however you say I don't remember the town name it started with an R but in New Mexico we found an alien ship which makes complete sense do you remember that situation at all we um, weren't born yet but like it's still pretty big in our culture I didn't hear about Finding, like, actual alien spacecraft. Well, I fa- I've so, heard stories about them finding, like, Area 51 spacecrafts that aren't alien, but... Well, no, so what happened was in New Mexico, I can't remember the name of the town, it was like Rosendale or something like that, a meteor came crashing down onto... into New Mexico, mm-hmm. and within minutes... The drop, like the the crash site, was swarming with government, like instantly. <laughs> and then they cleaned up the mess, told the public that it was a weather balloon, and then never spoke of it again. Oh, this is a real thing that happened. Interesting. And this book. Is is one of the stories is from the perspective of a scientist that worked on that project that like cleaned up the wreckage and all that stuff that Uh essentially confirmed that that was alien stuff that crashed onto Earth and they just didn't want to tell us. I believe it because why would government be swarming even if it was like even let's say it was a crash ship. Like, an actual, like, just a, a regular jet of, like, some new technology we were testing or whatever. Why would it be that important for you to be there within, like, minutes? And then also completely try and cover it up and never speak of it again? I mean... Uh, I, I guess <laughs> so. I mean, it's just, like... Well, because now I'm thinking... 
Well, because honestly, at that point, you could just say, we were testing new flight technology. It didn't go well. We came to retrieve it. Doesn't that sound like such a better explanation than, oh, it was a weather balloon. You just saw it. <laughs> oh, Because even so if it was classified <laughs> or classified stuff, I'll make sense of that. Even if nice. it was classified stuff, you don't have to say what it is. Just say that you're testing new flight technology and that's it. I mean, I guess. it. The government's weird, though. That is fair. So they don't want other countries finding out about the stuff they're working on. So they might just be like, oh, yeah, it was just like a really funny uh, looking uh, yeah. air balloon. Yeah, a really funny weather balloon that came crashing down to Earth at insane speeds that a weather balloon should not be able to reach. <laughs> Also, we had to make sure we retrieved it within minutes. We couldn't let it sit there for any longer than five minutes. It, it, we didn't uh, want bacteria on it. Have you ever heard of the five-minute rule? Yeah, absolutely not. If that thing stayed on the ground for more than five minutes, then it wouldn't be safe to eat, so we had to get it off the ground. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I guess you can't really have a Tom DeLonge discussion without getting into um, conspiracy theory territory. <laughs> so, now that we're out of that, uh, I am super curious to see what comes next for Angels and Airwaves after this. I'm kind of hoping we get another like sweeping cinematic kind of album because that's more what I like and more what I expect from Angels and Airwaves. So, no, you're getting an album of all theremins. Of what? I said you're only you're getting an album of all theremins. Theremins? Do you know what a theremin is? No. Do you know when you're watching an alien movie and you hear the weird, like, it's that instrument? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, Tom would do something like that. Yeah, the alien conspiracy man himself. I'm sure he would. (laughs) I, I am, I would be super interested, and honestly, there's a lot of signs that have been pointing towards this maybe happening. I would be interested in seeing Blink-182 as a quartet. As in Tom rejoins the band, but Matt doesn't leave. Kind of thing. That would be interesting. I would be kind of fascinated to see that happen. And, like, they seem to be... Like, the the re... Rekindling. That's the word I was looking for. The rekindling of Mark and Tom's relationship on top of a couple of other things that, like... Tom put Blink-182 back in his bio after having, I think, if I remember correctly, no, no, I'm thinking Boxcar Racer. He took Boxcar Racer off of his bio for a bit and then, and then put it back in. And a lot of people think we're getting a second Boxcar Racer album, but there are also signs that might be a Blink-182 thing kind of maybe in the works. I'd be down for that. That'd be interesting. I want a second Boxcar Racer album though. I'd be very down with that. And that seems the most likely due to his, like, fantastic relationship with Travis Barker and his, like, rejoining with David Kennedy on this last um, Angels and Airwaves album. We literally only have one member missing, and then you could just make another Boxcar Racer album. Although, Travis Barker's off playing with his rap friends, so who knows? Oh. Well, no, so Travis Barker's been the drummer for Machine Gun Kelly and Youngblood for the last... Well, Machine Gun Kelly and Youngblood for the last album. 
Mm-hmm. But then uh, he's also recording an album at Post Malone at the moment. Hmm. Interesting. Some um, pretty good gigs. Yeah. Uh, he changed Machine Gun Kelly from a rapper to a pop punk artist. Although Eminem also had a pretty pretty big hand in that. <laughs> wow. Well, he, he, so that's interesting. Um, on I think it was Kamikaze. Uh, Eminem wrote a diss track of Machine Gun Kelly, and it literally caused such a ripple effect that it made Machine Gun Kelly change genres. Wow. Like, it got such a bad PR rep to all of it that he went from being a rapper to a pop-punk star (laughs) within one album of each other. Damn. It's great. Eminem has influence, man. I mean, yeah, but jeez. <laughs> like, do you not? You make, well, I mean, I don't think you were really paying attention during this time because I think this was early high school. Do you not remember that whole thing, Machine Gun Kelly and Eminem's fight? No, I don't because I don't pay attention that much. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. But yeah, no, Eminem dissed Machine Gun Kelly so hard that he switched genres. Wow. All right. Well, at that fun note, we are out of time. So it was wonderful to um, be here with you all uh, for this week, whether <laughs> whether or not I can see you or not. I hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs> uh, the regular James Assessor Rock should be taping again momentarily. Um, college Soon. has been something. Um, so see y'all soon next week for the next episode of backstage and then check out Varys and I's other podcast bio dragons that actually just went live on the day of this recording the 27th so do it bye bye <laughs>